It's been two very long weeks, but we are back. Welcome to Tay Learning. My name is Danny, And I'm Olivia, and we are your co-hosts. We are talking about a pretty big topic this week. I think it's probably important that we get it out of the way before Midnight's comes out. Olivia, what is this topic? This topic is the Kanye West slash Kim Kardashian Taylor Swift feud. And this spans over years. This starts way back in 2009. And we're going to take you through almost current day. Like this has been going on the entirety of Taylor Swift's career. It's kind of crazy that even if you were just a normal person who had very little investment in pop culture in 2009 you heard about what happened at the VMAs between Mm -hmm. Kanye and Taylor you heard about what happened in 2016 with more drama with Kanye and Taylor this hashtag Taylor Swift is over party oh gosh there has just been so much content having to do with Kanye Taylor and some Kim Kardashian sprinkled in it's well over a decade of content to break down. And if you're trying to get into Taylor Swift, or if you just don't know a whole lot of the details, we understand there is a lot to go through. We're going to go through it today and break this up into a couple of parts. Olivia, I know that you had something that you wanted to say real quick, just about the impact of the Kimye feud with Taylor before we jumped into the timeline. Yeah. So I have been looking forward to this episode for quite some time because I feel like it's a very crucial topic to cover in understanding almost anything about Taylor Swift and her music and her career and how she approaches the world because a lot of these events that we're about to discuss really shapes the way that she learned how she can trust people, learned how she can trust the media, learned how she can portray her life for us as fans and those who are not fans to see her life. And so I think it's very important for us to get this base down before we continue to deep dive in anything else regarding her songs or other events in her life, because this really shaped her for better or worse. This is one of those situations that formed so much about not just her music, but about her as a person, the way that she feels about people in general, the way that she feels about her fame. It was one of the most impactful scenarios that's happened in her entire life that we have been able to observe as fans. There are so many nuances here. We cannot possibly touch on everything. Mm -hmm. We are going to hit the biggest things that we can about this turbulent and volatile, to say the least, relationship. If we miss things... We're sorry. It's not personal. There are just definitely more important topics to talk about than others. And if we mentioned every single detail that happened with Kimye and Taylor over the past 15 years, this episode would be 10 hours long. So we're going to come in strong with the biggest moments, the most pivotal moments that happened in the drama. And we'll split it up into two parts with the first half from 2009 to 2015, kind of Mm -hmm. the the buildup, setting the stage. And then the explosion in 2016 and the aftermath will be in part two. Would you like to tell us what happened on that fateful day in the VMAs in 2009? Yes. So before we get too far into it, I just want to give a warning. I'm a little congested right now. So if I ever sound funny during all of my talking, that is why (laughs) I'm just a little sick. Don't mind me. Anyway, (laughs) which shout out to Olivia for coming in here and recording this episode while being sick. Olivia's been sick for like a week. So I have been. I'm like doing much better now, 
but I still have some sinus congestion. So just bear with me if I sound sickly. <laughs> well, thank you for doing it for us. We appreciate you, specifically me. <laughs> we are in 2009. For some context, Taylor Swift just came out with Fearless the year before. Um, she is up for video of the year for her music video for You Belong With Me. And she wins. And during Taylor's acceptance speech, Kanye West gets on the stage and takes the mic from her and says, Taylor, I'm really happy for you and I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Yo, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. Beyonce was also up for video of the year for single ladies. And he hands the mic back to her, hops off stage. The crowd starts booing. And Taylor's just standing up there like, what just happened? She's 19 years old. This is her first like VMA. And people are booing. And she kind of talks later on in her career about how in that moment, she didn't understand that the crowd was booing Kanye. She thought people were booing her. And she was someone who was very intrinsically insecure and thought people were booing her. Camera pans over to Beyonce, who looks dumbfounded herself. She mouths, oh mm -hmm. my God, mm -hmm. in the entire room. And you can hear it on the cameras is echoing with those boos. And yep. Taylor Swift turns white. Yeah, she's just standing on stage. No one else is up there with her. She was holding, supposed to be doing an acceptance speech. Holding her award, Kanye shrugs and hands the mic back. So I misspoke earlier. Taylor didn't win video of the year or anything like that. She won best female video. So Beyonce actually ended up winning video of the year, which is like the big award for single ladies. So Taylor didn't win the big award from Beyonce. She won best female video. So it's kind of just like pick your battles, Kanye, you know? Yeah, he probably was a little quick on the draw there. Yeah. So Beyonce won video of the year. And during her acceptance speech, she says, I'd like for Taylor to come out and have her moment. Taylor got to come out and finish her acceptance speech during Beyonce's time. And in an interview after the show, Taylor is asked what she thought about Beyonce bringing her out. And Taylor said, I thought it was so wonderful and gracious for her to do what she's always done. She's always been a great person before anything else, before the talented artist, the superstar. She's always been a great person. I thought that I couldn't have loved Beyonce more than tonight happened. And it was wonderful. When she was asked what went through her mind when Kanye came on stage, she answered, um, well, I was standing on stage and I was really excited because I had just won the award. Then I was really excited because Kanye West was on stage. And then I wasn't so excited after that. It feels like such a natural teenage girl way to respond to that question while also having like a publicist in her ear almost mm -hmm. saying, don't say anything that's outright negative and make yeah. sure that she portrayed this face of innocence that she tried so hard to portray because it was important to her to keep that, yes. that good girl image in the media. Yeah. And then she's even directly asked if she has any hard feelings toward Kanye and this after post BMA interview. And she says, I don't know him and I've never met him. And then she's prodded even more. She was asked um, if she was a fan of his before this. And she says, yes. And then she's asked if she is still a fan of his. And she goes, 
I don't know him and I don't want to start anything. I had a really great night tonight. And then she walks away. A very good, again, PR answer from Taylor Mm -hmm. at this point. Obviously she's devastated. And since we know now that in the moment she thought that everybody was hating on her, of course she has to keep up with this good PR answer. Because this is fresh after the award show too. She doesn't know the internet response yet. She thinks everybody hates her. So she doesn't want to be portrayed as an antagonist to Kanye because Kanye West is Kanye freaking West. He's huge. Yeah, he was huge during this time. So like he was already a big star. He cannot be his enemy. It's bad Mm -hmm. for her. And little did she know, everyone was on Team Taylor Swift during this or the vast majority of people. Very mainstream media was on Taylor Swift's side. Even President Obama made a comment saying, I thought that was really inappropriate. He's a jackass. President Obama called Kanye West a jackass over this. And even Beyonce, she cried backstage in embarrassment after the incident because she did not love that. Obviously, she brought Taylor out during her acceptance speech on a commercial break. Pink got in Kanye's face and yelled at him over the incident. And later that night, Pink tweeted, Kanye West is the biggest piece of shit on earth. Quote me. People were rallying around Taylor, stars and fans included. After this incident, Taylor writes in her diary, which this is later released in the Lover Journals in 2019. So if you bought like a deluxe edition of the Lover CD, you got this little journal. It was one of four journals with some of her old like photocopies of her old diary entries. And right after the VMAs, she wrote in her diary, ah, the things that can change in a week. Let's just say if you had told me Kanye West would have been the number one focus of my week, the media and my part in the VMAs, I would have looked at you cross-eyed. If you had told me that I would win the award I was nominated for, I wouldn't have believed you. And if you had told me that one of the biggest stars in music was going to jump up on stage and announce that he thought I shouldn't have won on live television, I would have said that stuff doesn't happen in real life. Well, dot, 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 apparently that, that, that it does. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> she was so upset by this. This is the beginning of everything. Obviously, this starts the volatile relationship between them, but also it was arguably the biggest pop culture moment of 2009 and one of the biggest pop culture moments of the odds. So, yeah, it ended up being like memed and stuff. It was. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. still memed to this day. It is mm-hmm. not an oversell to say how dramatic this moment was. And since in the moment she thought that everybody hated her and that everybody agreed with him. It really did completely shape the way that she saw herself, the way Mm -hmm. she saw stardom, and the way that she saw other people. Later on in September of 2009, it was the day after the VMAs to be specific, Kanye appears on The Tonight Show and says about the incident, it's been a difficult day. I'm just dealing with the fact that I hurt someone or took anything away from a talented artist or from anyone because I only wanted to help people. I immediately knew in this situation that it was wrong. It's someone's emotions that I stepped on. It was rude, period. I'd like to apologize to her in person. He did not. Yep. Which Taylor confirms later in September when she goes on The View and she says, my overall thought process went something like, wow, I can't believe I won. This is awesome. Don't trip and fall. I'm going to get to thank the fans. This is so cool. Oh, Kanye West is here. Cool haircut. What are you doing? And then, ouch. And then I guess I'm not going to get to thank the fans. When asked if she would meet with Kanye to talk, she says, sure. I mean, he has not personally reached out or anything, but if he wanted to say hi, 
you know, I'm not going to say that I wasn't rattled by it. I had to perform live five minutes later, so I had to get myself back to the place where I could perform. There were a lot of people around me backstage that were saying wonderful, incredible things and just having my back. All the other artists that came and showed me love in the hours following, all the people tweeting about it, and all the fans. I just never imagined that there were that many people looking out for me. It was really wonderful to see that there were people out there defending me so I didn't have to. As we talked about, in the moment, that wasn't something that Taylor realized. And I'm glad that in the weeks afterwards, she got that immediate satisfaction that people were on her side in the situation. I'm sure it did help her a lot, but it didn't make the moment any less traumatic. I would be so embarrassed. I would never go in public ever again. And I'd call my career it. It's done. I don't want anyone to look at me ever again. (laughs) The thing is, and this is something that I've thought about a lot. She is on stage in front of thousands of people in person who are doing this booing. And she is aware that it is being broadcast worldwide so she knows all these eyes are on her and she has to stand up straight and look pretty and she can't be upset she can't yell has to smile there is so much Mm -hmm. pressure in that moment and she was a young new artist that was trying to gain the respect of people like Kanye West and Beyonce and all these big names that have been going to the VMAs for years she's new to this scene so she's already feeling like a fish out of water Mm -hmm. and then it's just further proved with the event that happened it's also important to note that at this point there wasn't a whole lot of public hate surrounding taylor swift yet i fully believe that this was kind of the moment where the public hate i'm doing air quotes the public hate surrounding taylor swift kind of began to manifest because this was where you got groups of people who felt very strongly about team kanye even Mm -hmm. though this, as was memed later, this wasn't a narrative she asked to be a part of, but we'll get to that. (laughs) This was kind of the the villain origin story, I guess. This was where the hate was born, was this moment. Yeah, exactly. But she tries her best to make light of it and move past it. In November of 2009, Taylor hosts SNL, and she does her monologue song, which we mentioned in the Joe Jonas episode. She calls out several people in this monologue song. And Kanye is included in this calling out. She sings, you might be expecting me to say something bad about Kanye and how he ran up on the stage and ruined my VMA monologue, but there's nothing more to say because everything's okay. I've got security lining the stage at my SNL monologue. You might be expecting me to say something bad about Kanye (laughs) and how he ran up on the stage and ruined my VMA monologue. So she's trying to make light of it and make it look like this kind of stuff is just rolling off her back when really it's not. (laughs) Which it almost got, in my research, I was looking at Reddit threads from 2009, 4chan stuff, and it almost had an inverse reaction to what she wanted. The way I see it and the way most people saw it was water off a duck's back. She doesn't care. But what Mm -hmm. this monologue did for the people she called out, Joe Jonas included, it almost made it look like she cared more. If she had not commented on it, unless she was called upon to comment on it, it might have had more of the reaction that she wanted. That Mm -hmm. being said, I would have done the same thing. And the monologue song is really funny. Yeah. And especially, I feel like she called out things. She called out Joe Jonas and, you know, the phone call incident. She called out the fact that she was dating Taylor Lautner. She called out Kanye West because these were things that interviewers were relentlessly asking her about in interviews. I don't have like the date or quotes, but 
a few months ago, I listened to this interview where this radio show host was like harassing her, asking questions about Kanye West. And Taylor had to keep saying, I'm not answering these questions. If you're going to keep asking these questions, we can't do this interview anymore. Like I already made my statement. That's it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not answering more questions. So I think it was kind of a, hey, this is for everyone that's been wanting to know because everyone keeps asking her. And I look at interviewers from that time. What what the hell did, else did you want her to say? She yeah. said how she felt. She said how she felt about Kanye. She said how she felt about the moment. She'd already said her mm-hmm. piece. I know what they wanted her to say. You know what we wanted her to say mm-hmm. or what they did. They wanted her to they say- They wanted some clickbaity shit. <laughs> they wanted to be the first ones with the scoop of the drama. Mm-hmm. And Taylor had made it so abundantly clear that that's not what she was about by this point didn't seem to matter. I respect the way she went about it with the monologue song, but to Mm -hmm. casual viewers or to people that weren't super invested or didn't watch her interviews, it almost just came off as more petty than what was intended. Because they weren't in her point of view where she did multiple interviews a day, where she dodged multiple questions a day, you know, so totally understandable, but unfortunately it wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then a year passes, it's September, 2010, and Kanye tweets kind of out of the blue. I'm sorry, Taylor. We're both artists and the media and managers are trying to get between us. She had nothing to do with my issues with award shows. She had no idea what hit her. She's just a little girl with dreams like the rest of us. She deserves the apology more than anyone. This apology is a little backhanded. He called her a little girl with dreams. She's an adult at this point. Yeah, she's a young woman, but she's not a little girl. Like that just, ugh, ew. It's clear here that he's trying to kind of frame that he's had these longstanding issues with award shows. I haven't done a deep dive about Kanye West. So if you're listening and you have more context about him and making statements about the issues he has with award shows, by all means, let us know. It just seems like that's what he's kind of trying to frame it as to kind of defend himself. I do know a little bit more about his mishaps with award shows. He does have a history of this. Kanye has always made a spectacle of himself and it's how he has maintained the relevancy the way that he has. But there is an entire guide online to his mishaps at award shows. The 2009 incident was not the first. He had an issue with the AMAs in 2004 where Gretchen Wilson, who is a great country star, um, loved her when I was a child, won Best New Artist. And he called himself robbed. He said he refused to give any politically correct bullshit ass comment. He was the best new artist of that year. At the 2006 Grammys, he said he really had a problem that he lost the album of the year to U2. He has just had an entire history of these problems leading up to 2009. That's just a couple of the examples. So yeah, but he makes, that's how he has held on to the fame that he has held on to. Other than the fact Shock that- value, man. It works. He's a very talented artist. He's got all sorts of problems, but he's a talented artist. And he took out a lot of his anger at award shows when he wasn't respected in the way he felt like he should be respected. He gets a lot of media attention when he makes big splashes and makes really vulgar statements like that or hops on stage. Like that's, I feel like to him, like any press is good press because that's how it ends up. And it makes sense. Honestly, it's just like a sense of morals. Like, are you willing to like stomp on somebody else's emotions for your own success? He is. And that's fine for him I suppose but like it hurts I couldn't other do people. it yeah it hurts other people speaking of award shows the VMAs fall again in September it's September 12th 2010 and Taylor performs Innocent from Speak Now who you are is not where you've been you're still an innocent 
performance began with footage from the infamous 2009 ceremony, then the chorus of Innocent, It's All Right, Just Wait and See, Your String of Lights is Still Bright to Me, Who You Are is Not Who You've Been, You're Still an Innocent, It's Okay, Life is a Tough Crowd, 32 and Still Growing Up Now. This is very clearly about Kanye West. That was his age. And the bridge to time turns flames to embers. You'll have new Septembers. The original incident happened in September. Every one of us has messed up too. Like this is 100% about Kanye West and even more supported her hidden message for Innocent. She used to release lyric booklets with her CDs and capitalize random letters in the lyrics for a song and you put all the capital letters together and it spelled out like a little hint for what the song was about and the hint for innocent was life is full of little interruptions which is clearly a call out to Kanye interrupting her after the VMA performance by Taylor when she performs innocent clearly a callback to the incident that happened a year prior in October of 2010 Kanye interviews with Ellen and she asks about the Taylor Swift incident as all interviewees or interviewers do at this time. And Kanye shares that after the incident, he had stopped making music and left the country to get away from paparazzi, Mm. which I think is so fucking ironic because that's exactly what he forced Taylor to do. Spoiler in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's kind of, I don't know. That feels like such a dramatic thing to say. I'm not saying he didn't get a lot of shit for it, but (laughs) there wasn't trending. Kanye West is over. There wasn't. Yeah. He is known for doing this kind of stuff. The media was going to just move on. Yeah. And especially to him making comments like this make me feel like, God, it's just also ironic when I'm saying it out loud. It makes me feel like he's trying to play the victim in a situation that it wasn't fair to, which is ironic because that's what him and Kim try to accuse Taylor of later on in this entire story. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just it's just really ironic. I think Taylor at this point is trying her best. Like she she put out her It's Okay, I Forgive You song and is really trying to live that narrative. So she's not speaking on him anymore. And I think pop culture is kind of like moved on momentarily. They're they're not getting anything new from these two people. But in March of 2012. Taylor wears a shirt from Kanye's clothing line in a photo shoot. And people take that as, oh, they're kind of cool, I guess. It's very a Taylor thing to do. She likes to try to be the bigger person and like make amends when she can, I feel like. It's also a classic like Taylor Swift subtle way to show that there were amends made, at least from her end. Taylor is done commenting on it, but leaving Easter eggs is something that's so Taylor Swiftian. (laughs) that this was a perfect way to handle that in the public. And then in June of 2013, Kanye interviews with New York Times to promote his album, Yeezus, and says of the VMA incident, it only led me to complete awesomeness at all times. It's only led me to awesome truth and awesomeness, beauty, truth, and awesomeness. That's all it is. And when he's asked if he could take back his original apology, he says, I can answer that, but it would be a distraction. It's such a strong thing and people have such a strong feeling about it. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy was my long backhanded apology. 
you know how people give a backhanded compliment? It was a backhanded apology. It was like all these raps, all these sonic acrobatics. I was like, let me show you guys what I can do and please accept me back. You want me on your shelves. And this whole little quote here just really makes me feel like the original apology was never about or for Taylor. It was for damage control of his reputation and making sure that he stays relevant and loved and successful. It, it wasn't ever about Taylor. Absolutely. I have seen takes online from people who are like mental health professionals that have made commentary about the stuff that Kanye West has said and done. And it all kind of comes down to being a textbook narcissist. I will give credit where credit is due. Like I said, he is a very talented musician and artist, whether we like it or not. He 100% is a self-serving narcissist. And as Barack Obama put it, a jackass. Now that they're in the middle of all of this, like, public tension where it's not directed towards each other, you know, directly, it's kind of passive aggressive, feels like a really great time to mention our sponsor, Anchor. So we're going to lead right into that. And then we'll get back to it with how Taylor handled all of this. All right. So after this weird take back of his apology, I don't know. I don't know the exact point he was trying to get across, but Taylor continues to support the notion that this, this doesn't mean anything. This is just rolling off her back. She ends up gifting a jar of homemade jam to her friend, Ed Sheeran. And she wrote on the label, yo, Ed, I'm really happy for you. And I'm going to let you finish. But this is the best jam of all time. And what she's doing here with this and like the monologue song it kind of comes across like, you know how when you're in high school and the mean girl in your friend group picks on you and makes a joke at your expense and everyone laughs at it and repeats the joke and to cope and not cry yourself to sleep, you then make the joke too about yourself to like get in on the laughing with other people. So like they're not laughing at you, they're laughing with you at your expense. That's what this feels like to me. Yeah, there are a couple of like takeaways from the way she's leaning into it. And the takeaway that you just mentioned is the one that I think was actually happening with Taylor, which was the I'm going to lean into the joke and make fun of myself so that I don't cry myself to sleep, I guess. Mm -hmm. And make a big deal with someone like Kanye who could be aggressive with her and it could get really bad. (laughs) Yeah, the other takeaway I feel like would be from the confidence perspective, which I don't think was what was happening in Taylor Swift's brain. Not in 2013. Not in 2013. (laughs) The confidence take on it would be like, ha, this is so embarrassing for him. I'm gonna let you finish. And to have this confidence about it where she actually is in on the joke with everybody else because he was such an ass that everybody was on her side. But I don't- Her insecure mind wasn't, she couldn't, I don't think she could logically process that people were on her side. I think her insecure mind was still, but what if? They're lying to me. <laughs> exactly. So the only two takes could have been out of making these jokes out of insecurity or out of confidence. And I don't think it was out of confidence. Later on in February of 2015, I feel like during this time is kind of Taylor's time where she developed a lot of confidence. 1989 came out. She's pop star now. And I feel like just the way that she carries herself in interviews and like in public is a lot different than her red era version of herself. She's kind of like grown up. She's trying to come across as like that adult pop star that isn't like crying about boys in her room anymore because that's where all her backlash was. She's trying to fix all these criticisms that people have of her. So she's 
carrying herself a lot more confidently and trying to be like that cool girl, you know? She is bold, she's loud, and mm-hmm. she is omnipresent. Blank space is huge. Mm-hmm. And Shake It Off had come off the year before and it was massive. It is a big time for Taylor and 1989 is just the album. Yes. In February of 2015, this is the 2015 Grammys, Taylor and Kanye are seen smiling and talking to each other during this time. And the next day, Kanye interviews with Ryan Seacrest, and he says that Taylor approached him right after Beyonce lost album of the year and jokingly told him that he should have gone on stage. And he also adds, quote, she wants to get in the studio and we're definitely going to go in. Any artist with an amazing point of view, perspective, fan base, I'm down to get in the studio and work. Spoiler alert, that did not happen. It did not happen. It kind of felt like to me that he was taking advantage of her big stardom. Like, of course he wanted to collab with her. And anyway. she probably did genuinely say that to him because I know that Taylor Swift respected Kanye as an artist. Yeah. He is an excellent artist. Mm-hmm. But my mind originally went to what would they even collab on? And then I remember that Kendrick Lamar was on yeah. Bad Blood and I wouldn't yeah, have seen that She was doing coming. like mainstream pop and stuff. And he also was kind of on that scene a little bit so and I think to her it would have been a gesture to the media to like hey leave us alone we're fine now mm-hmm. stop asking yeah. us about this <laughs> I feel like the line of we should get in the studio was intended as an olive branch more than anything exactly and later on in 2015 in August Taylor interviews with Vanity Fair and she says I feel like I wasn't ready to be friends with him until I felt like he had some sort of respect for me. And he wasn't ready to be friends with me until he had some sort of respect for me. So it was the same issue. And we both reached the same place at the same time. I became friends with Jay-Z and I think it was important for Jay-Z for Kanye and I to get along. And then Kanye and I both reached a place where he would say really nice things about my music and what I've accomplished. And I could ask him about how his kid is doing. So she's really trying to play up. We're friends now. We're like actually friends. We're not just like on good terms. We're buddies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When she was asked about a rumored collaboration, she responded, we haven't planned any collaboration, but hey, I like him as a person. And that's a really good, nice first step, a nice place for us to be. So she's got this brain of like, we're on this slow march towards being publicly friends. Mm -hmm. And because she is also a person and he's a person, I know that it was important for her to have a private, everything is all good before it was out publicly. Inversely, Kanye is like, oh no, we're doing great. Like he is almost wanting it to be far more public that they're good when she would rather make it all good in private before it's debuted to the public. Like she did with Katy Perry. She Mm -hmm. wanted to mend her relationship with Katy Perry privately, person to person, before it became what it It wasn't about, like, the good press that would come from it to Taylor. To Kanye, he wanted the good press of them collabing, and he wanted the shock value of, oh, my God, Kanye and Taylor collabed, because that would get attention. And that's just what it feels like to me, I guess. I would agree, especially since when we break this down in our Katy Perry episode, Now We Got Bad Blood. It's very important for Taylor to keep her humanity alive, and that has been evidenced in the way that she handles her personal relationships with other professionals that are in the media. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really care about what people feel about her relationship with Kanye West. She wants to be sure that she is good with Kanye West, and that's just not him, but he's never been a super private guy. So I guess that shouldn't entirely surprise me. Right. It's just Taylor, I feel like, especially in this time in her life, really looks for the good in people 
and assumes the good before she assumes the bad, which isn't a necessarily bad trait, but that gets you hurt. <laughs> it's a dangerous trait, even when you're not one of the most famous people in the world. And even yeah. when you're not intrinsically insecure, like she's admitted to being. And then later in August of 2015, Taylor presents Kanye with the Video Vanguard Award at the 2015 VMAs. And in her presentation speech, she says, I first met Kanye six years ago at this show, actually. It seemed like everyone in the world knew about our infamous encounter at the VMAs. But something that you may not know is that Kanye West's album, College Dropout, was the very first album my brother and I bought on iTunes when I was 12 years old. I have been a fan of his for as long as I can remember because Kanye defines what it means to be a creative force in music, fashion, and well, life. So I guess I have to say to all the other winners tonight, I'm really happy for you and I'm gonna let you finish. But Kanye West has had one of the greatest careers of all time. She, I mean, she has a good point here. Once again, I, I want to make it very clear as I'm saying this. I'm not a Kanye West fan of him personally. College mm-hmm. Dropout was the album like my sister Brianna was a teenager at the time and she's told me that college dropout redefined music and that was a huge turning point in the early aughts of course Kanye West is this huge figure to her when she's growing Mm -hmm. up because of how influential he is of course what happened broke her heart so I'm sure she's happy to be on good terms with him again because imagine somebody you respect and love and appreciate so much publicly personally burns you Yeah. And now he's kind of turned around and is like publicly praising her. So she's assuming everything's good and dandy between them. And I want to point out that during this VMA night in 2015 is kind of when the tables start to turn. Uh, I don't want to touch too much on it because I think it has the most impact if we go into depth when she finally reveals what else happened this night too. So I'm just going to leave it at that for now and hang on tight and we will fill in all the blanks eventually. Ominous. I was shocked. I didn't know that this happened. Well, (laughs) honestly, if you're listening and you're a little bit confused, so am I because Olivia did some different research on this one so that we could tailor together. And it was some new information that I learned too. I didn't know about this extra tidbit of information at this VMA night. So when we get to 2019, that's when I can uh, reveal it to you. So hang on tight until then. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, hang on tight and join us in part two. This does conclude the Rise of a Snake part one. 2009 to 2015 and usually I would ask Olivia here what she tailored but because there is just so much content to cover (laughs) we're going to save what we tailored for the next episode so that episode is out now meet us over there for tailoring I'm Danny and I'm Olivia thanks for listening 